Well, good morning, folks. Uh, it's another beautiful day in um, New York City and Chi-Town, Illinois. Uh, Seth has appeared on Skype to me eating a big bowl of rice with a fork <laughs> in a way I can only describe as uh, sort of porridge-like, maybe cream of wheat. Yeah, I think it's kind of like eating oatmeal, but it's tastier. <laughs> well, I just don't believe you. Um, <laughs> good morning, everybody. Um, we are here for another week at All Films Are Bad uh, with Tom and Seth. And today, our movie is a very special picture called Norma Ray, uh, 1979, about Sally Field as a union organizer. And I'm going to say it, Seth showed me this movie. I loved it. I thought it was really great. Yay. That's so good to hear because the, it's really, because like the first movie that I showed you, listeners, you might recall, was Godspell, which Tom hated. And then Tom <laughs> made me watch for our second episode of Mikey and Nikki, which is really good. So I felt bad and I tried to pick a movie that I thought you would like. So I'm glad. <laughs> it's, it really like. I don't know. It's just really sweet and special. And yeah. it made me long for like akin to Pride 2015. Is that when it was made? Um, yeah. The like coal miners, uh, like gay people movie. Like it made me long for more union <laughs> movies. I don't understand why we don't get more of them. I mean, I understand why we don't get more of them, but I wish I wish there were more because I think they're really special. Yeah. Um, and yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, so basically this movie is like, um, Sally Field is a woman working in a textiles, uh, like a factory in, they shot the movie in, Alabama but it's a, like the story that it's based on is in North Carolina um and uh she yeah her like her there they have a bunch of occupational hazards like her mom goes temporarily deaf um her dad spoiler alert at some point in the movie has a heart attack and and dies because um the his boss won't give him a break because he's like, hey, my left arm is numb. And his boss is like, you're gonna, you'll get a break in 15 minutes. Um, yeah. And she basically is like very unsatisfied with her working conditions. Um, this hot as shit union organizer comes into town. Um, mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, let's start a union. And everyone's like, uh, no, thanks. Um, but everyone's like, sound like a Jew. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and, um, uh, so Sally gets promoted up in, in, in her workplace. Like she becomes then like a, a floor supervisor and quickly realizes that it makes everyone hate her. And that it's just like, oh, an attempt at trying to like appease her from the bosses. Um, yeah. so she quits that job and goes back to her original place, um, at like the, like the weaving station and basically it's just a story about her trying to unionize her workplace which you know all movies should probably be about yeah i've never seen a movie about unionizing one's workplace that isn't good and i can only think of three <laughs> wait what are <laughs> no, the other four. ones um four movies um 
Strike by Sergei Eisenstein. Very good movie. Um, the Pajama Game. Also good. Pride, as you said, is not actually about unionizing your workplace, but it is about the strike and Norma Ray. Yeah. Yeah, four, oh, four good ones. I mean, there are other... I was, like... I was reading an article to do some, like, quote-unquote research for this, and there are other... There's a Paul Schrader movie called Blue Collar that is about, yeah. like, a bunch of, like, union members trying to rob their corrupt union, which sounds good. Um, oh, I think I've heard good things about that movie. Yeah. And then uh, Harlan County, USA, which it's it probably pretty criminal that I haven't seen it. There's a lot of good documentary work about, like, unions and right. strikes and, like... Um, like labor struggles, but not a lot of good fiction work because I think people can't get the money for it, which makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really good illustration of like, you know, Hollywood not being a paragon of like free speech. Yeah. It's like, why is this a thing that movies don't get made about? It's not like it's not automatically a really, right? Like, you know, in a different world, this would be like a whole genre of movie. Yeah. It's such an immediately compelling story. But yeah. like, um, yeah. And what I found really interesting is like, what, like, it doesn't quite make sense. Well, I guess it does. Cause like union membership was so high in the seventies, but like, why was this movie made in 1979? You know? Yeah. It's a good question. I, do you know when the, the, the woman who it's based on, Crystal Lee something, right. when her story happened? Because I think the whole movie seems to be based around the central image that is, like, from her real story of right. her standing on the table with a sign that says Union. Which, God, can I say, when that happened and I knew it was going to come, I just burst into tears. I just, yeah. like, I couldn't help it. It was so beautiful. Yeah, so the story happened in 73, so that's probably why. Okay, so it's a normal, like, time for this, like, a timeline for this to be happening on. It's just, it's, like, especially because, like, not long after Ronald Reagan fires, like, 12,000 members of the, like, what is it, the the Air Transport Union, like, for striking. Like, like, immediately after this, there's a huge, like, pushback against, like, labor organizing activity. The air traffic controllers. Yes, strike. exactly. Yeah. That to me, I, I didn't live through it. And to me, imagining that, like so much crazy shit happens nowadays, but imagining the president fires yeah. the air traffic <laughs> controllers and there's no one to ensure that the planes don't crash into each other. Yeah, really wild. So the guy who directed this movie, I just looked up his um, his Wikipedia. He seems very hot. Um he does seem, uh, oh, he, oh, yeah, okay, he's sexy. Um, but he, the only movie of his that I've seen, which I just watched recently, is um, Paris Blues. Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's really good. Well, I watched it because Diane Carroll just died. Um, mm. And she's in, it's her, Sidney Poitier, Paul Newman, and Joanne Woodward. Sexy um, cast. Yeah, and Sidney Poitier and Paul Newman are two, like, uh, American expat jazz musicians living in Paris. <laughs> and Diane Carroll and Joanne Woodward are, like, um, just, like, American tourists there for a week. And they, like, all fall in love. And it's really nice. Wow. That's romantic. Yeah, it's very romantic. Um, I will say that reading an article, uh, there was a poll quote from the director where he said, I, quote, I couldn't care less about the labor struggle. I was just interested in her story. Which, Interesting. Weird. That's so interesting, because this really seems like a movie made by someone who cares about the labor struggle. I know. 
even if it does like not to be like talking about Eisenstein on the pod, but like oh. even if it does like partake in the sort of individual protagonist as opposed I didn't expect it to have a collective protagonist, like because it yeah. very much does single her out and spend a lot of time with her like family and a lot of time with like her um with her relationship with the the like union guy and like moves away from especially there's like a moment there's an incident of like incredible racialized violence where like this like yeah. black factory worker starts getting beat up by this like gang of like white thugs and um like immediately it jumps from that to the dramatic incident of Sally Field getting fired which like I don't know um yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's actually a thing that I was going to bring up is because I just saw Strike recently and right. I was amazed by that movie in so many ways, but I've also like literally never seen a movie that had a collective protagonist. I know. <laughs> and it's like fucking like, it's just like amazing. And this, I, I agree. I think this movie is like obviously super influenced by that movie, right? Because mm. there's not that many movies about strikes. Um, and it, um, and it has the like, there's like a, a a couple of like scenes of all of the like characters who are highlighted, right? Like there's obviously the scene where they all one by one shut off their machines together. Oh. And there's the scene where they're having like a union meeting and each of them says like a really devastating thing about the conditions. Yeah. Um, uh, in their, in their, in their workplace. And it's like, yeah, it's like a Hollywood movie about, a union which is interesting but it is definitely at its best when it like diverts focus to like various members of like of the like various like people who are working on the floor like yeah especially even if they like don't have necessarily like quote-unquote characters like even if you just know them because their faces keep getting shown like yeah in like cutaway shots like specifically i'm thinking yeah. of like fa like amazingly who i didn't even know was in this movie grace zabriskie who plays mrs palmer. palmer yeah yeah on twin peaks like she when they're all doing the like labor stop like the work stoppage and they're they're shutting off their machines like it cuts to her like she's the last one to do it or like what she's like yeah. the second to last one to do it and then when they finally win the union like she like won't smile and she won't smile and she won't smile and she suddenly like bursts into this like kind of crazed smile and it's so yeah. powerful and yeah. she doesn't have any lines in the movie she just had like does she not does she not have a, a line she might maybe she does i literally watched this listeners i watched this truly like i finished it a minute before we started recording um so i should remember most of it but i don't She's like one of the best face actors I I've know. ever seen. It's like, really crazy. Yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah. So another thing that I love about this movie that's um that I think it has in common with the pajama game, right, is another touch point of movies about unions. Well, two things I think it has in common with the pajama game, which listeners I got really, really, really into like a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, uh is one, it in many ways reflects how different stuff was in the mid 20th century from mm. now. Like uh, the fact that the fact that Ruben, the or union organizer is like, 
You can openly be distributing union literature, right? You can be wearing a union button. You can be talking to people about the union on your break and they can't fire you. It's like, well, that's not true anymore. Right. <laughs> um, is the first thing. And then the second thing is that it's a really horny movie. Yes. Um, and I think that a horny movie about worker solidarity is the best possible type of movie. It's so great because it's like, like they're like they're horny for each other the whole time, and they never fuck. They just organize their workplace. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so fucking great. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so good. I've never been so happy that two characters who obviously wanted to fuck didn't fuck. Yeah. Because they diverted that energy into... I have to say, I woke up to watch this movie at 7 in the morning, and my boyfriend got really mad at me because I woke him up too. And then I watched about an hour, and I was so sleepy that I went back to sleep for like another hour, and I had crazy dreams because of uh, the movie, I think. It sort of infected. So I'm like a little bit unsure as to what is the movie and what is a dream that I've had, which is a good experience. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable sharing these dreams? Um, no. But they were, they were like a little bit horny, which is like sort of, you know, the mood that the movie sets. Yeah, Um, for sure. I want to say that Ron Liebman, fascinating. And I was wondering, because we always wonder famously how Tony Kushner became to be really good friends with Sally Field. And I really do think it's because Ron Liebman is the original Roy Cohn. Yeah, I didn't know Tony Kushner was really good friends with Sally Field. Yeah, like, because they did, I think they did, like, he was the one who originally got her for Lincoln. I think she was, like, because the whole thing was, like, Steven Spielberg was, like, we have to recast her. She's too old. We can't have her playing with, you know, because it was originally going to be Liam Neeson or something. Like, a whole, uh, why do I know so much about Lincoln? I really wish I didn't. And Tony Kushner was, like, have them both be old. Yeah, have them both be old. Have her we're, she is older than Daniel Day-Lewis, which is fitting. That's, that's feminism. Yeah, that's feminism. Um, um, and I believe that Abraham Lincoln's wife was older than him, which is also feminism. That's also feminism. Um, but anyway, no, I think it's because Ron Liebman, who is, I think is quite charming in this movie, and I, like, I don't know, like, really, like, not just charming, but also really sexy and, like, wears a lot of open shirts and he wears shirts that are genuinely open to below his nipples. Yeah. Like in casual, even like, <laughs> right. Like he wears the, he wears shirts that are fully open at like union meetings. Like <laughs> we're a different time. <laughs> it's like, you know, like you see an action movie and everyone's super sexy and super like, like professional. Like it's just a movie about like hot people, like doing like, the hard work like yeah imagine if hollywood movies were all about organizing your workplace and everyone was super hot the whole time yeah well so another movie that it actually reminds me of for that reason and like problematic because we hate sean penn but is milk which i unfortunately love that movie yeah well i do think we all love that we saw it at a really impressionable age you know yeah um yeah. and um, gus van sant is good i'll say it what's good gus van sant Oh, yeah. Good director. Good, Good director. director. He knows how to make a movie. Um, um, no, yeah. Sean Penn is really bad. Is re- I mean, he's that's the issue is that he's actually quite good in that movie, although he's a very bad person. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, but another sometimes. Actually, you know what? I think what? all three, like, 
quote unquote leads in that movie are vile people. Really? Because you have James Franco, you have Sean Penn, and you have, um, what's his name? Who plays Clive? Uh, Is he also vile? Speed, speed racer guy. He like punched a producer at an event one time and is known to be incredibly like violent and prone to walking out on set. Like, well, that sucks. Yeah. That um, must have been a crazy movie to fucking shoot. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yikes. Oh, hi, kitty cat. There he is. I love that you have all, you have these big boys who come through screen all the time. Yeah, I love them. They're, they're their own masters. I have no control over <laughs> Um, Um. no, but yeah, like, along with Milk, like, movies that have a vision of the 70s that's, like, really sexy. Yeah. And, right, either actually made in the 70s or, but yeah, but Milk also has a lot of very sexy scenes of, like, people who have been, like, typing letters all night, and it's, like, they've got their hands, like, up on their lower backs, and they're, like, stretching. Yeah. Coffee, and, like, (laughs) it's just very hot to me. Yeah, when you put your hands on your lower back and, like, you have a sweat stain, but, like, on your chest, like, that's really beautiful. It's just hot to be working hard. Yeah, unfortunately. And that's Um, our sickness. Yeah, probably. Um, It's, so, this is a movie, so all three of the movies we've done for this podcast so far have at their center a very sexy Jewish man. Mm. Um, we had to look up whether they're Jewish. Ron Liebman, we don't have to look it up, which makes it We know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but it's very much like the sexual stuff of this movie is like, you live in this shitty town where everyone's the same and things are bad. And then a hot Jew comes to your town and is different. Mm. And that's very sexy. And the fa- the things that make that sexy are the same as the things that make your life better. Mm. I don't know. Like, I'm sure, like, he's based on a real person and, like, that's why the character is Jewish. But it's such a big part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... I'm trying to think if there's been, like, the movement in the new Hollywood era to make all of the protagonists, like, sort of, like, white ethnic like people like like this sort of short king movement of the 1970s where like suddenly dustin hoffman is a sex symbol yeah it's i don't think anything like that has happened since like any big popular hollywood push to like make not chris hemsworth like a big bankable movie star yeah. Like, it's sort of become dispersed. Like, now Mahershala Ali is getting a Marvel movie, but they're not going to be the lead of, like, a different, like, non-franchise movie, you know? Yeah, well, it's very, it's a very different cultural moment from the, like, optics of diversity that are happening in Hollywood. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, And I wonder, like, I think it has to do with, like, the, the kind of fetish for realism. Yeah. Right? It's like, these guys look very real. And have that like method actor studio kind of way of talking and acting that kind of is part of the feeling of like they're like tough guys from like uh, like white ethnic communities in American cities. I don't know. I also wonder like how much this has to do with like the fact that those ethnicities were like just at that moment kind of fully assimilating into whiteness, hmm. right? Like I think 
like the seventies are kind of the last moment where being Jewish or Irish or Italian is like a really discrete cultural identity that's different from just being white. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know like why historically that is exactly. Um, I also think it must have something to do with like the fact that the, the new Hollywood, like the people who were directing these movies were often using like an avatar like in the film as sort of their representative not right. like a one-to-one ratio but definitely like it's like John Cassavetes is making his movies and also starring in his own movies you know like right like that kind the of, of the type of people who've just always been behind the camera are now just what the actors look like also exactly and that's yeah. not the case now like you know no oh boy no, in fact, and I mean, I think this is a big thing in theater, especially, and there was an article in, like, American Theater Magazine about it, like, a month ago or so, um, which is, like, that people, that theater companies super care about the optics of diversity that their audiences see, so they'll cast really diverse casts of actors in their plays, and then the crews and the creative teams behind the plays that the audience doesn't see will still be all white. Of course. Um, which is a very different phenomenon. Anyway, um... Yeah, so uh, it's very sexy for me that it's hot that he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he teaches her words. I like that. The last fucking, <laughs> there's so much dialogue. The last exchange that they have is like, he tells her that she's done a mitzvah. And she says, what is that? And the two of them say that in unison, as if this is like an inside joke between them, that he'll use Yiddish words. And then yeah. she'll ask him what they mean. Super cute. like, it's a good word. <laughs> And he, like, his introduction, like, their introduction is, like, when he, she's going to meet him for the first time in the hotel room. Um, yeah. Which I can't stress enough. The fact that they go to an illicit motel room to meet him to do, like, like bad, sexy union activities is really good. Well, what good. it is is that she's meeting, she's already, he's staying in that hotel because no one will put him up. And right. she's already meeting a guy, a married guy who she's having an affair with. Right. And he like, like tries to break it off with him, and he I think like hits her, and she leaves, and her nose is bleeding, and then he's like, "Let me help you with your nose," which yeah. is yeah. So fun. Rocky, who uh, Rocky found dead in Miami, um, yeah, and it's just like he, she's like, "You're Jewish," and then he's like, "Excuse me," and then she's like, "You're Jewish, right?" Because yeah. <laughs> great joke, funny joke, and yeah. um. She's like, well, what makes you different, like, from us? You seem, nor like, the same, I thought, like, you know. Um, and he's like, history makes us different, which I thought was a sweet line. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's really, like, yeah, actually, I think that the exact exchange is, she's like, you don't actually seem very different. And he's like, we are different, actually. Hmm. And then she's like, what makes you different is, like, history. And it's like, no, it's not... It's not that my cultural identity doesn't make me different from you. It's just that it doesn't make me different from you for, like, the reasons that you thought that it did. Mm. Um, which is so nice. Um, there's, like, a... This is a movie that's very, like... Um, one of the kind of main, like, tensions of it is that he's so culturally different from the people that he's trying to, like, get along with and, yeah. like, assimilate himself with. And there's, like, a... And that's, like, a... I think a thing that's very inspiring to me about this movie is that, like, it doesn't make it seem like that's not weird yeah um that he's like a jew from new york who's here in like the south um trying to 
organized people, but it's it's weird, but it's like a thing that they get over because right. ultimately like it's not the only thing that matters, which is very nice. Um, that makes it sound very corny, but it's just like a lovely. No, yeah, and and ultimately, it's like not about him. Like he is right. like in the in the church, he's making this sort of like he's bringing these people together to like voice their like like voice their issues with their workplace, which is nice. Yeah, right. It's not about him. It's really about well, it really should be about them, but it's really about her. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about her. How do you feel about Sally in this in this movie? So I've never, so Tom, I have something really upsetting to, to tell oh, you about. Oh no. <laughs> You've never, what a crime. Like literally, I'm glad you haven't seen Lincoln. Thank God. I, you know, nothing about that movie appealed to me and I know it's like good or whatever. No, it's I not. Don't. It's bad. Okay. It's, I don't want to see. Yeah. That. So I, I don't think I've ever seen Sally Field in another movie. Wow. It's, yeah. Because what else? Because she did TV work before this. This was like her big break. And right. I don't know what else she's in. And then she did a couple more movies and then she went back to TV and did this like soap called Brothers and Sisters that she was on for a while. Yeah. So I have no other context for Sally Field. I fucking love her performance in this movie yeah. so much. It's so amazing. And it's like, also it's like, the movie is really well written and the storytelling is really good. And we like learn about who she is immediately from the incident where her like mother uh, goes temporarily deaf and she's immediately like loud and advocate, right? Her whole thing is that she's like a loud woman. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and she's like constantly advocating um, for herself and others, um, which is like great. And, but she's like, not just, I don't know. It's like, a character who could easily be very one-dimensional, one-dimensional, and I think her performance is not that. And yeah. she like, but also the movie gives her a lot of different stuff to do, right? It's not just her fighting with people all the time. It's also like her. There's all this stuff about like her relationships with men and all of her like really complicated and difficult feelings around that, and like uh, this like the marriage that she has with this guy who's like. Uh, you need a husband and I need a wife and we like each other. Okay. So let's get married. And she's like, okay. And like, that's fine. And it works out kind of fine. Yeah. There's like the scene where she, um, where he's like complaining to her about how she's always doing the union stuff. And so she's never like doing housework. And she's like, she's like, you want cooking? Here's cooking. And she takes spaghetti and just puts it in a pot (laughs) and puts it like, you want laundry? Here's laundry. And she puts, like clothes in the sink and just like throws them in the sink and turns the water on. And then she's like, want to make love? Let's make love. Right. It's like, Oh my God. Like really iconic. I don't know. She's, she's great. And she's really like delivering a very, I don't know. I don't, she's delivering a very kind of what I would think of as a more typically, mm, a a performance in a seventies movie that would more typically be given to a man. Right. Because of like Hollywood sexism, it's very much like a, like a, she almost reminds me of Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon, not to bring that back. No, again. definitely. Yeah. I, I, yeah, like, I completely agree. And I think that she, like, doesn't, she, like, and I, like, I've said this, I don't know. I think this is, this can often be, like, a, a very sort of, like, nondescript thing to say about a performance, because, like, what does it really even mean? But, like, mm-hmm. to me, it feels like a very, like, 
not vain performance. Like, I really don't think that she... I think that she, like, her, the whole, like, legend around this movie, right, is that, like, when she won the Oscar, she gives that speech where she's like, you really like me. Like, she, like, the whole sort of mythos around her is that she is very desperate to be liked, which I can with and, like, I love. Um, Yeah. But, like, oddly enough, this performance strikes me as, like, one that is very unafraid of, like, being or, like, looking unpleasant or like pushy or yeah I don't know which I think is which I think carries the movie and I think makes it like makes her so winning and ultimately makes it so like wonderful to watch um yeah it's like not very glamorized yeah and yeah I I just love the scenes that she has with like I think the way the movie uses, like, noise and silence is so great. Like, Mm -hmm. the fact that in the factory you're hearing the machines constantly and she has, like, all the actors have to yell over, like, all their dialogue is just yelling over the sound of these, like, cacophonous machines. Um, But then, the like, finally the scene where she finally, like, actually has her voice heard, she's completely silent and just holding up this sign. And then one by one, all the machines turn off and it's like, well... It's poetic. It's poetic. I love that this is a movie that, like, it seems like this director, whose name I forget, um, who says he doesn't care about the labor cause, like, heard this story and was like, that's a great image. And then just built the whole movie around this one central great image. Um, And it's, like, true. Um, And the whole movie is really built around that. But the whole rest of the movie is also really good. Yeah impressive like I feel like the thing that people remember about this movie is that image of her with the sign on the table um but there's a lot of other really good stuff too yeah yeah the scene with her being like you want cooking she like takes a steak out of the fridge and throws it in a pot with a cabbage yeah yeah that's what it is I love I want more scenes I like 70s movies were so good with food with eating food with throwing food I want more of that. I just saw um, Shoplifters for the first time. Whoa. Um, yeah, which Oof. is a really, really, really good movie. Yeah. Um, and it's people are constantly eating in that movie. Yeah, they are. Um, which is so good because it's like a movie about family, right? And so it's always like the family together eating, but it's also like just makes everything about it feel so, I don't know. Good, like, it's not a good movie if people aren't constantly eating, I think. I think you're so, right. I think because eating is a thing that, like, you can't really act. Yeah. Right? You can't, like, you can act angry while you're eating, or you can, like, have a general affect, but the actual process of eating is so messy that it, like, inevitably prevents you from being able to, like, <laughs> do gestures or whatever. Like, it kind of, yeah. Yeah, um, it's like business where, like, you, like, can't feel self-conscious because you're just focused on doing your business. But yeah. unlike, like, an other sort of businessy business, I would, o- like, whenever someone's eating, I'm like, oh, I'd believe that. Because I'm constantly yeah. eating in my life. Right, right. I eat. <laughs> all the time when I'm doing anything. And you can't, right, it's like that thing of, like, how actors don't know how to there's like a tumblr post about this ending about how actors don't know how to like pretend to drink it's very true <laughs> like you can't pretend to drink water and look normal on stage <laughs> but you can't, if, you're, if you're actually eating on stage or on a, in a movie like 
you are actually eating. It's never not going to look real because it is real. I'm obsessed with it when, like, when actors have, like, a cup of water or, like, a mug of tea and, like, clearly nothing is in it. And they're, like, blowing on it and, like, trying to mime the weight of the cup. And you're like, I get, like, I know, you're holding a cup. You don't have to do the razzmatazz for me. Right, yeah. I was in, not to talk about my college acting Please do. I played Sir Toby Belch in a production of Twelfth Night. Um... And my thing was that I was constantly either eating or drinking every time I was on stage. Oh, yeah. I drank through a six pack of seltzer every <laughs> performance. And it like, um, you know, I would just always try to have something that I was either eating or drinking. And then in the last scene, I like, uh, there was like a bag of limes because it took place at a bar. And so I just started eating the limes. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> The, the stage manager's mother brought us a plate of cookies and I like brought the cookies out on stage and started eating them. It's like, and I'm not that good of an actor, but people fucking loved it. Oh yeah. <laughs> they were like, He's eating. <laughs> um, there's a really good eating scene. There's not a lot of diner scenes in this movie because it doesn't take place in a city, but um, there's a really good diner scene where she yells at one of the fellow organizers and then storms off and he goes and has a conversation with her in a diner and she's mm. ordered a slice of apple pie and he's just eating it as yeah. he's talking to her. And like, you know, like, that should be really obnoxious and horrible, but they love each other so much that it just reads as really intimate and sweet. Yeah. they And then it's like, I, I was thinking the same thing, like, because then afterwards he like, throws the receipt at her and she's like you ate it and he's like yeah well you're gonna pay for it yeah he's like why are you letting me eat this i didn't order it (laughs) and it should be bad but it's great because they're in love and i don't know it's something about the fact that like when you're watching like often like when an actor like has to do an eating scene they'll like just like push the food around or like not actually eat it because they're trying to match continuity or because they don't want to get full because they know they're gonna have to shoot it multiple times so right. when they go whole hog into it, you have to respect it. Because you're like, you're going to have to eat that slice of pie probably seven other times. Yeah, because he's in a diner. He eats like he's in a 70s movie. Mm. I, yeah. Unfortunately, I do think about that all the time. You know, Oh Hello, probably bad, ultimately. But as a, an- as like a vessel to collect all of their bits. Because Nick, Nick Kroll did that bit on like Conan he like has done that bit before as like a vessel to sort of gather all of those jokes you know okay no a lot of good jokes it's just like I tried to watch that I tried to watch that with a friend of mine recently and we got like 10 minutes in and John Mulaney started talking about how he killed his wives and I was like I'm sorry we don't have to watch this right this is really really not good (laughs) It's like, I get that the joke is that they're very racist and sexist, but that's not a joke. Like, Right. This is just yeah. unpleasant for me to make yeah. you, yeah. Um, word. Norma Ray. Norma Ray. I... Why everybody in this town got three names? <laughs> hey, it's a question. I think... I, I wonder, like, what happened to him? Like, did he just... As an actor? Yeah. Or the, well, he played Roy Cohn in 1992. Yeah. Uh, he did... T- he's, like, primarily a stage and TV actor. Hmm. 
Um, he was on Friends. Okay. He so he's I, he did stuff. He didn't disappear. He's a working actor. Yeah, Good. I think he. I think he has like two or three like things that he's known for, but I'm sure he's just like in a bunch of other stuff that's not on his Wikipedia page. Um, he's an archer. Love it. I don't know what he did for the 1980s, but I'm sure something. I wonder like why. Yeah, let me see. I'm. Okay, wait, first of all. Hello. Okay, Sally Field was born in Pasadena, California. Oh, shit. Hello. Hometown girl. Thank you, wow. Sally. She... Yeah, she was like, she did TV until Norma Ray, which like catapulted her into like stardom. I wonder if that's also part of why her performance is so not, like, like you said, not vain, because, like, she, right, like, doesn't think of herself as a movie star when she makes this movie. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I believe it. She also... Okay. Okay. She, like, she studied with Strasbourg. She was sort of part of the whole, like, method, which I think, yeah. you know... Of like and I think movement. he was maybe well. He he was a Compass Players guy, not Chicago, unfortunately. Different Compass Players. Um, hold on, I'll look at his. Great, great podcast content. Um, we can cut out. We can cut out the silence. Who cares? Yeah, he, he he was in he was in the actors' studio. Okay. Liebman was a member of the Compass Players in the late 1950s and was admitted to the actors' studio shortly thereafter. Liebman is Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It says in early life. It says he was born to a Jewish family, but then it says that under the career tab. <laughs> Iconic. So nice they had to say it twice. Yeah, they really got to get it in there. Um. I, so I made a mistake earlier on the podcast. I thought that You Like Me, You Really Like Me was for the Norma Ray speech where she won the Oscar. But it was actually for her second Oscar, which she won, like, literally five years later. Like, she kind oh, of wow. did a back-to-back -back Oscar win. and Back-to-back -back queen of getting Oscars. And I guess that was when people started to sort of turn against her. Because I feel like I feel like there was a real like public backlash against her in the way that there was for like Anne Hathaway or other kind of mm -hmm. like actresses who like we like who the public reads as being really cloying, you know? Um, uh, yeah, people just hate women. I think. Yeah, they really do. Um, but I think that's, she then, like, she did, like, Steel Magnolias and, like, did, had some, um, some, like, right. secondary parts in Mrs. Doubtfire and Forrest Gump and then moved to TV. Okay. This movie got mixed reviews. Norma um, Ray did? Yeah, because of the, the capitalist media. Yeah. Everyone was like, it's corny. <laughs> Shut up. Ugh. 
It's about something. Literally, get yeah, watch a movie that's about something for once, please. What I found really, like, I found interesting that, um, uh, Siskel of Siskel and Ebert, like, thought the movie was nice, but hated Ron Liebman, said that he was bad. Which is crazy. He's good. Like, I just don't, it's also just, like, it's not an offensive performance. I just don't understand what you couldn't like. Like, what's so bad about his performance? I don't fucking know. I don't think it's overbearing. He said it was overbearing. No, they're both... Loud. That's why they love each other. Yeah, they're a couple of loud, fast-talking. <laughs> um, I um, I do wish this movie had been. I'll say it again. I wish this movie had been more communist. I understand why it wasn't, but we can all yeah. hope for more. Yeah, I mean, in what ways do you wish that? I wish that. Hmm. That it had been more about the rest of them and not just about the two protagonists. Yeah, but I do understand why that happened. I guess I wish that, like, I, like I, I want all the character. I know this is this is such a cop out thing to say, but I like want all the characters to have movies. I wish the movie was. I wish the movie was ten hours long, and I wish we could get into everybody's backstory. I mean, but they could have, like, they don't have to make it 10 hours long. Like, it was a choice to have, they're almost like a chorus, right? The yeah. other, the other workers, like, they, they are there to represent the other workers, but they don't really have individual characters. And especially, like, right, they talk a lot about, they talk, a, like, a good amount about, like, like, management trying to incite white racism as a way of breaking up the union. Right. Um, but, like, and there are, like, black characters, but there are no black characters who are actually characters. Right. Um, so that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but I found that, I thought that was, like, apparent. I guess that was, like, a really, like, like prevalent thing that happened to break up unions. Yes. And Very also much. just in, like, the sort of, like, pitting the civil rights movement against the labor movement. And, like, with the women's movement, like, pitting all of those three... Like, thank you, Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, yeah. They try to break us up, but we're stronger together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish that they had played There Is Power in a Union over the credits. I'll say it. Like... No union songs in this movie. No union songs. Just an original song that apparently people liked, but... The... That is the child of a working... Yeah. Bless the child of a working man. Yeah. Um, um, more well, Billy Bragg. It's like they're... They're a... a they're, they're resistant to the idea of unionizing and they don't have a culture of, right? He says like the textile industry is the only industry in America that isn't unionized. And I'm right. like, fucking kill me. Um, uh, so it's like, they don't have that culture. So for them to sing a union song, he would have to teach it to them. And that I think would be weird. But wouldn't that be so hot? It would be hot, but it would be, I think it's really like a thing that the movie does well is like trying to like, um, minimize the extent to which he's teaching them as opposed to like yeah just allowing them to like have a voice to express the things that they already know and understand you're right right like he says, at one point he says like your average working man isn't stupid he just gets tired right right and i think it's like, the movie does a really good job of having it not be like this smart guy from new york comes in and teaches these stupid country people about politics right it's just about um, yeah yeah it's good ah 
But I do wish that part in Pride where they sing Bread and Roses fucking... Really kills me. That's yeah. a good movie. Well, why can't we do that movie next? Well, it's not from the 70s. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, whatever. Okay, I guess. We haven't decided, like, how many 70s movies we have to do before we move on to a new theme. I know. Yeah. What's When's our next season going to happen? Um, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. Okay. Here we go. I am not sure what I want our next movie to be because okay. it's, I have some options mm-hmm. and one of them is, hmm. No, you know what? I'm going to do it. Okay. Listeners, if you're all listening at home and you're waiting with bated breath to figure out what our next movie is going to be, I've decided it's going to be Chantal Ackerman's News From Home. A Great. deeply devastating movie. About... Is that... I don't think I've ever seen a Chantal Ackerman movie. It's <laughs> so good. It's... Is it, is it the one that's like a full day in the life of this woman? No, that's John Dillman. Um, okay. which I also have never... There's a cat leg in the frame. <laughs> he's, he's, like, kicking at my arm with his little cat leg. I love him. Um, no, News From Home is this movie... Wow. Literally, he's baby. Yeah, my cat is in the frame, and he's really being baby right now. He's, like, a little... I love his soft little belly. I love his little white rabbit feet. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, News From Home. News From Home is this movie where it's like an hour and a half long um, and right. it's the it's like a, the, a camera set up in different locations in New York City. None of them really like notable like inside a subway or in the station or on the sidewalk and you just watch. I don't think you should tell me too much about the movie also. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's about like mothers and um the diaspora and it's incredibly beautiful wonderful so we've done so the first movie that we did was set in new york (laughs) yes uh second movie set in philadelphia third movie set in an undefined southern state fourth (laughs) movie new york so we're doing we're doing like 50 50 new york not new york which i think is, is good we'll try we'll try to branch out i figure it's good to get to do a sort of, like, balance, to, you know, try to get some, like, non Cassavetes like, macho Hollywood directors in there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, That's a part of what the 70s were about, but it is not the only thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, another wonderful episode. Yeah. I had a great time. Me Thanks too. for watching. Organize your workplace. Organize your workplace, watch Norma Ray, organize your workplace, um, because they will fire you even if you don't. Yeah. Um, okay. Bye. Uh, not a good note to end the podcast on. Um, <laughs> but workers are stronger together. Yeah, workers are stronger together. Great. Deuces.